Hello, listeners. Based on the music, you can tell that's your favorite podcast, Doubles Alley. We're doing an Australian Open recap. Um, and uh, I guess one big result from the tournament is Sverev made it further in a major than he's ever made um, before. Uh, he made it's it to the semifinals. Time. Yeah, and uh, it's about <laughs> time. Uh, it's been, it's been probably three years since we've expected him to have a major breakout. Um, and he might just be procrastinating, you know? Um, and so that brings up the question Peter, Mark and I are going to consider what's something that took you way longer than you wished it had taken you to do. Yeah, besides flossing my teeth. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I, I, I got into a flossing phase for two weeks, and that was right before my dentist appointment, and it's, it's really hard to keep that up. But um, the uh, I'm just really bad at, like, adopting technology that's right in front of me. Um, I remember I got AirPods for Christmas from my parents, like, two Christmases ago. And I just waited for like nine months for, for, to just open them. And then I got them and I'm just like, why the, these are awesome. Why the fuck didn't I just do these immediately? Um, the, and then my AirPod case broke the earlier this month and apparently the warranty expired last month. And it's just like, I was just an idiot. And then another one is, Paige got me a Fitbit for Christmas or for, for my birthday and I still haven't opened the box and it's probably pissing her off that I haven't opened the box and it's probably pretty cool. I just like haven't felt like getting around to like figure it out. And it's pro it, and, um, it reminds me of when like, like I was probably five years late on like Netflix. Um, but I remember when I logged into my mom's account after finally like, <laughs> getting curious about what it was and I, I realized like Mad Men is awesome West Wing is awesome and I just binged like a thousand TV shows because it was really quality yeah. stuff yeah Mark what about you yeah I can relate to everything technology related the first was the whole little screen protector for the iPhone I probably broke three or four screens of just <laughs> idiotic stuff you know like trying to balance it on my head you know, trying to carry 12 things at once, you know, and then I realized all I have to do is buy this $19 screen protector and my screen doesn't have to crack every time I drop it. Then along the technology lines, I think I had dial up until about 2005, <laughs> even though you could go wireless with better everything. It was actually less expensive amongst everything else. And I just, it just involved one phone call. And I think because I had a bad experience with like an AT&T technician maybe four years before, I was just so afraid of the technician coming in the house, unrealizing that the technician, they pretty much do all the work outside the house for the dial-up. So I, they didn't even have to come in the house. So, yeah, I, I can relate to the techno anything technological. I, I drag my feet um, counterproductively. Yeah. With me, I sort of started losing my hair pretty young probably like midway through college and it became visible pretty young probably like 22 or younger even 
and uh, I only shaved my head at like 26 and I look back at those photos and wish I had just like bit the bullet and shaved my head before that. Uh, and then uh, I think that that has special relevance to uh, to the tennis world, uh, namely to Rafael Nadal, who's uh, looking balder and balder every uh, every tournament, every Grand Slam. Um, and then I guess a micro example uh, is last night I intuited around 2 a.m. that I needed to piss, um, but I didn't get up from bed until like 3.30, and that was just like an hour and a half of wasted sleep. Um, yeah. Uh, did you try the whole – in the beginning when you realized you had to pee, did you try, okay, I'm going to count to 10 and I'm going to do it? And then you'd get to 10 and either you'd fall asleep or then you'd say, okay, I'm just going to count to 10 one more time. And then you just couldn't. Because I do that, whether it's <laughs> shitting or peeing or literally I have to get out of bed and go to work. And I'm getting better at, okay, I'm going to count to 10. So at least I feel like I have the 10 seconds of relaxation. And then, I don't know, I'm getting at the count to 10 method sometimes works. You know, you know who should have counted to 10 is... Uh... Probably Dominic team before he double faulted like three or four times in in major moments during that final. Yeah, and the, the quarters, I guess, too. Do you think, that, you know, and, and I'm sure we can, I, I would like to um, flesh out this topic of procrastination a little more, but do you think there's this incredible method to the madness of Djokovic and Nadal of bouncing the ball, counting to 10, maybe counting to 15? Do you think they literally bounce the ball until they feel positive about the second serve? Do you think that it's it's really an underrated, um, I don't want to say compulsion, but sort of underrated strategy? I mean, I've been I, on a tennis court and like bounced the ball and anything more than like four bounces just feels like overkill. So I, I just I just think it's a power move. Ah. Well, like, I think, yeah, I don't know though, because... Um, We've never even we've never played at their level, right? Like, <laughs> Speak for not yourself. even on the Wii. Yeah, they might they might have to really collect themselves to really make like a, like a push every point. But what I guess the bigger thing, the bigger uh, uh, theme here or topic is that those guys have been through so many battles together, um, and with Federer that. We we focus on their like their game, their like their like physical talent and just the way they play, but they've prob they've just like um, they're just such hardened mental giants compared yeah. to the rest of the field because they have the repetitions that nobody else has. Yeah. Um, another. Well, speaking of yeah, go ahead, another go ahead. ball bouncer. I think the actually the most annoying ball bouncer is Chilich because of his like shiftiness. He dribbles. Yeah, yeah. yeah he dribbles. He like, he dribbles. He dribbles. like both hands. Yeah, he he bounces it, uh, squats down, takes a shit. Um, <laughs> the ball boy cleans it up. He bounces it again, <laughs> does it seven or eight times, and then serves. Does he shit seven or eight times? Yeah, yeah. Is he it's, caught it's, it's, like, it's like bounce. Squat, brick, bounce. 
he's, he's building houses. <laughs> he, he, he really does. Yes, I mean, yes, yes. it is just Marin, like when it's... Marin Habitat for Humanity Chillin. <laughs> There, yeah, if, yeah. if you if you if you squint, you'll notice there are cracks in the hard court. Um, <laughs> after his match, that uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, back to the uh, procrastination. Um, so, Mark, uh, I think y- you you believe it's more than just Zverev who's procrastinating. Well, but I think it's very interesting. I think, you know, we, we, let's talk about him. He made the semifinals, but, like, you know, what was he so afraid of? Like, what did he think would happen to him? I don't even know if he'd ever made the quarter. Oh, yeah, I guess he made the quarters of the French last year. So I have a theory. Like, uh, he has now, like, a babe, like, Romanian or something model uh, as his girlfriend. I think what he was afraid of was the cameras panning to his box and his girlfriend not being hot enough. <laughs> well, that's solid. Always a fear. I mean, somebody needs to... I mean, I think I like him more because of this because uh, I think the last real uh, just players, like Andy Roddick and Pete Sampras, like when they were under 25, they just had a a new supermodel girlfriend. girlfriend every like three months and you know like Kashinov is married like Felix has a like serious girlfriend like uh this this new batch of young guys uh, just really isn't um, yeah, they rush. continuing the tradition um I guess Dimitrov Dimitrov did some nice work but he wasn't good enough um to really be in that <laughs> league so you're saying they, their procrastination should take place off the court rather than on the court? They yeah, yeah, have, yeah, yeah. They, I think yeah, yeah. If they if they made that um, that sort of change, that um, I really think it's a uh, a mental uh, just like a switch, flip one switch on and the yeah. other one off, and uh, everything will work out. Yeah, um, but it's not just fair of like. John, uh, you should you should package that strategy. You might you might want to go viral with that. <laughs> yeah, this is. Uh, but you're not you're not we're not, we're not criticizing the girlfriend. We're saying you got. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll just uh, I'll I'll say it with a with a Corona bottle in my hand, and it'll be coronavirus two point Um. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> It's uh, yeah. That's uh, it's not just fair. If it's like Medvedev made the finals last year and didn't win. Uh, team has made three finals now, hasn't won. Sitsipas made the semis uh, last year and didn't get any further than that. Um, yeah. So it's just, I mean, somebody will win something at some point, but uh, let's not let's not rush ourselves. <laughs> No, it's hot potato. It, it's the, uh, you know, it's it's the professional tennis version of hot potato. Nobody <laughs> wants to hold that trophy. They're like, nah, 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 you take it, you take it, nah, nah, you take it, you take it. They like try to clear paths for that person. And I mean, I think team actually. Well, we, well, let's get deeper into the into the Aussie. Let's let's get deeper into that last week and where do we see uh, things going for the next couple months? So, who do you think's feel? Who do you guys think is feeling pretty good? 
I mean, from that, they could have lost in the second round, third round, wherever. Who do you think is feeling pretty good about themselves, feeling better about themselves um, after the open than they thought they might have or that the media might have thought they would have? Who do you think's you know feel, feeling good about their prospects for the next couple months? Um, Sverev and team for sure. I think Kyrgios had a good event, even though he only made fourth round. Uh, Chilich, I think, uh, had a yeah. few good wins. Um, Tennis Branch. Sandgren, um, is feeling good about himself. Uh, Djokovic is definitely feeling good about himself. Uh. Guys who are probably not feeling so hot are uh, Nadal. Um, I think he he just wasn't playing his best tennis in the team match. Um, I think Monfi is feeling pretty good, and he's having a good. Let's let's start with that outside. Yeah, Monfi is um, a good... as the elite player out of the next generation, or he's just the you know, the elite player du jour or elite player the month, and it's going to be a revolving door. Do you see it being a revolving door with those four? Or because team has now made the finals on two different surfaces, you know, one, one or two, maybe three, Masters 1000s, you know, he's separating himself a little bit from the pack. What's your sense with that? Yeah, I think uh, he's also three years old. He's four years older than Sverev. Um so he's sort of like in an in-between generation. But, I mean, his resume is definitely the strongest. But I think... Uh, but, Med- but you're also implying that it should be the strongest because he's had the couple extra years. Yeah, I mean, he's, just played, he's, played, he's yeah. played more tournaments. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it, it, it is just sort of like Medvedev, uh, Sverev, Team, and Tsitsipas... Uh, there's no telling who's going to be the best of those four. I mean, it's probably not going to be Team because he's not... Like, since the pass is 21, Team is 26. Like, there's a lot of improvement that happens in their similar levels. Um, but I think since the pass is someone who's not feeling good about his tournament. Same with Shapovalov. And, uh, yeah. and there, there are a lot of guys whose stock are down. Um, but who do have very high upside. Medvedev is another. Everyone wanted him. Everyone thought he would make at least the semis, and he uh, lost to Stan. Um, is, is that something that will stick in somebody's mind for a long time, or is it one of those where if you allow the match to get close, Stan's wily enough, he's won enough you know, tournaments on, on the big stage, that he's a tough out, particularly at that stage in the tournament before he sort of physically peters out. Like Stan is, Stan's not an easy out, you know, in a round of 16 or a quarterfinals match, right? So do you think that will set him backwards or do you think it just sort of plateaus Medvedev for now? The thing about Stan is that he can tree against anyone. Like uh, Stan, when he's cooking, uh, has maybe the most unstoppable game on tour. He just crushes the ball within two inches of the baseline on every shot. Um, and so it's just like, if you catch Stan on the wrong day, like, good luck. Um, so I don't think Medvedev is going to take it too too hard. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't think that either. I think it's different to lose to a veteran with a couple Grand Slams in hand than losing to somebody of his ilk 
you know, or losing to a Veratini or losing to uh, Ranitz or losing to, you know, whomever is in the Fognini, somebody in the, you know, in between, somebody who hasn't won a Grand Slam before. Yeah, I I will say uh, Sverev, as much shit as we talk about him, uh, he... I think I, he he was noticeably a better player this tournament than I've ever seen. Uh, there were two things that stood out. Uh, one was just his defensive tennis was uh, really really good, and that's not usually that has not historically been a strength. And then the second thing is that uh, he uh, he was good at net. Um, he was he was aggressive moving forward. Um, there were a few overheads where he was still a bit awkward, but in terms of just general volleying, that has been like not even like that's been lower than not a strength. It's been a significant weakness, and now it's like semi decent. Um, it's something that he he he's obviously worked really hard on, and with those two improvements in his game, like he's going to be hard to he's going to be hard out. Yeah, he just yeah. has a, I think he's good on clay. I mean, he had a good clay season last year. He plays a lot of tournaments. He probably is a beneficiary from from those exhibitions. He played with Fed. Um, you know, just the whole sort of fall where he seemed to have sort of the big three, you know, giving him support at different times. Maybe he was a little bit under the radar here. He should have a good... He'll be a tough out during the clay season. Speaking, speaking of Federer, do you think he feels good or bad about his uh, his tournament? I think he feels really bad. Yeah, because he, he made the semis, but it was a, a slog, and he was clearly not fully healthy. And but he's also a victim a victim of not being in the ATP Cup. Like he just didn't get. I mean, I think if it's, I don't think it's so much the way he played in Australia. It's just the way that he designed his schedule. You know, he didn't create any type of momentum going into the tournament. But he's Zara like. Didn't, play the ATP Cup either and he made he had his best tournament okay. and okay, Federer okay. has always uh, played the and, Hopman Cup and, like warm, and, warming up and Stan didn't play the ATP Cup and he had a good tournament I don't know maybe it's okay. different yeah. for different folks but um, one of the things I'm looking at is just the ages of the top 20 players there are twice as many people in the top 20 over the age of th- uh, uh, 30 there, there are they're yeah over the age of thirty three, than um, in the twenty five to thirty um, uh, range. How how many are in that in that former list? Like so, more so, than eight. So team is twenty six years old. Then you get down to um, number fourteen in the world, Schwartzman, who's twenty seven, and then then there's Kyrgios, who is twenty uh, five. He, who's 24, almost 25. So he's not even in the 25 to 30 range. But um, uh, so I, I'm saying how many are over the age of 33? 20, 25 to 29, because Benoit Paire is 30. So, so basically, like, the youngest 25-year-old through the oldest 29-year-old. Um, I'm so saying how many are over 33? Over 33. Or over is, 32. Let's say over 32, because Joker, I think, is 32. Yeah, Joker. Let's just let's. We don't even need to, that though. Like, <laughs> over thirty-three is Nadal, Federer, Monfi. Um. Then uh, we're 
Uh, I lost my oh Stan and I think Isner. Oh wow! And yeah. Then, then if you include thirty-two-year-olds, there's uh, Fognini and uh, and Djokovic. What and about Batista Agu? There's uh, Batista Agu is thirty-one, almost thirty-two. But but it's the sort of thing where it's like the it's really fun like. Team is the is is pretty much the only person in that like age bracket, that sort of mini tennis generation, that wasn't just completely uh, their confidence wasn't just completely do- destroyed by the uh, the age group above them. One person in that generation, Rayanich had sort of a comeback tournament. He beats it to pass. I mean, he got crushed by Djokovic, but. Um... But he's always been getting crushed by Djokovic. I think he he could feel good about himself from this tournament. Yeah, I think he definitely could. Yeah, that I was watching the Rayanich Djokovic match, um, and what really stood out to me—I mean, what stood out to me about Djokovic all tournament was the way he just—he's like cat-like on his service return. He just like. The moment the ball is tossed or like the ball is hit, he springs to his spot. Like, and I don't see anybody else do that. Um, and I wonder, is it just his anticipation is superior and it allows him to do that, or is it because he moves? He's so elastic in his movement that he's able to do that, or is it just that the other guys um, haven't figured out how to do it? Because yeah, his return is just by far the best in tennis, and it. It seems like it's something that other people should be able to do. Well, I would say it's probably three things. One, um, it's probably where he stands. I do think he stands a little closer to the baseline. So he is probably picking it up, even if it's one-tenth of a second or one-eighth of a second quicker. That's just something, you know, I mean, everybody has everybody has a part of the point, I think, where they, at least in the top ten, a part of the point where, like, they're skill set is optimized it seems like with him it's like that that return of serve and then he probably and then maybe it speaks to rafa and the french um he just sees the ball in australia there must be something climactically whatever it is i mean like he's mad like he's like we were talking about like he's the master of playing the pacific rim or pacific region and australia in particular like he was playing that tournament great sort of before he hit his peak right he was always a tough out. He won his first two majors there. So there must be something about Australia. Well, I would guess at least where he just picks the, the ball there really well. Do you think there's anything to that? Or do you think he gets the Yeah. I think I think that's that's something type of hardcore service, but you know, he was sort of good in Australia before he was sort of the top gun in I mean, I think there is something to be said for uh, just maybe it's a part of the season that you're better in. I always thought, I always wondered if like squash season had been in the summer, whether I'd been better (laughs) or not, because I, I just, my, my body was looser when the weather was warm and I felt like I was relatively better in the summer than I was in the winter. Um, I can relate to that. And like, I wonder if it's just a time of year that Djokovic is better. 
um, if there's just a part of the world he feels more comfortable. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe he's just like, maybe he just benefits more from being fresh than the rest of them do and just has better off season. And like, um, yeah, if, if he's fresh, it means more than if other people are fresh. So, uh, so about Djokovic, um, one thing that stood out was the serve return and just how, how he like pounces on it. But the second thing that stood out was he wasn't actually playing that well by his standards um, in both the semis and the finals. Um, and he still sort of won by default. Um, and I'm just sort of wondering, like, is his B-plus game still better than everybody else's A-plus game? Um, or it might have been, like, team just got nervous, like, when whenever. Do you think he just sort of understands that guys who are not Rafa or Roger will get nervous um, in tight moments? Or... I also think Djokovic yeah, I think plays like higher level tennis when it's Rafa across the net than against anybody else. Um, yeah, I do too. He never has a B plus performance against Nadal. Yeah, and I think it's because he knows it. It won't be enough. Whereas against everyone else, he's it's like shit. I don't have my A game. He's down two sets to one against team. He's just like goes back to the locker room to like do whatever he did there. But it still felt like Djokovic would win, and it felt like Djokovic felt like Djokovic would win. It's just like, ah, oh, darn, I'm down two sets to one. I guess I have to, it'll go five. Um, and, yeah. Uh, but another thing is that, uh, actually, like, the well, he's same... He's improved his serve a lot, too, right? Isn't he getting more free points off his serve than he might have even during his, you know first peak like if you compare him of 2014 15 early 16 when he was still dominating the game and now isn't his first serve a little bit better like and like that thing that you sent about that he doesn't even really have a second serve it's like a sub first serve yeah it's like a first one and a half offense with a serve yeah definitely i mean yeah his serve is better but uh Let's just look at the last um, three Grand Slams. He won Wimbledon, and in the final, he was actually the worst player. Like He should have lost to Federer in three, but he just sort of willed himself over the finish line, and that was just like a mental effort. In the U.S. Open, he was a little bit injured and lost to, uh, I think, Stan. And then this tournament, um, he looked dominant at times, but uh, whenever he was getting pushed, he would he looked... He looked winded earlier in the match than you would expect him to be winded. Like he's playing tight points in the second set and he's like huffing really deep. He doesn't seem unbeatable. He just seems like somebody who hasn't been beaten. Um and so it's just like the results have been amazing and he's been beating guys on like mental strength, but uh his level isn't as high as it used to be. At least I, I've, uh, that's something I'm, I've, I've uh, picked up on. What, one thing, um, is that his draw, he had an incredibly easy draw up till the semis. And even 
though he played Federer in the semis, Federer had been pushed to five twice in the tournament already. Yeah. So, so that wasn't like a fresh Federer. And then um, he was he had to sort of man up against team. Um, but team had had a tougher draw and a tougher like I think Fed, like if Nadal had had Djokovic's draw, I think Nadal would have won too. Um, and yeah. so I think uh, one thing that we might be seeing is just the the member of the big three who has the easier draw usually pulls it out. Yeah. Um, and so he also had an extra day to prep for the final. I mean, he just everything fell his way. It was meant to be, you know. He, I think he may have won that tournament in the in the ATP Cup. I think that like, I, I think he won a little bit on Yeah, he got the draw opened up for him anyway. But he he played so well in the ATP Cup. I think he intimidated the. Like I think everybody felt like they were playing for a second. Maybe not Rafa. Maybe Rafa felt like he had an equal chance to win. But everybody else was playing. Everybody else felt like they were playing for a second. Yeah, so let's talk about how this like sort of changes the landscape. Uh, one thing that changed is that Djokovic is now number one in the world and Rafa is number two, which doesn't really mean anything um, because they're both in the 9,000 range and the Federer and team are both like around 7,000 and they're three and four. Um, so those should be the top four seeds in uh, the French Open. Um Based on what you saw in this tournament, um, who do you think is the favorite in the in Roland Garros? I think it's got to be Rafa. Um, how do you think he? How do you think he plays his schedule? Do you think he doesn't play any more tournaments till the till clay? Or do you think he either plays either California or Miami, one of the two, just get a little core time, but then you know his biorhythms are already sort of set for the clay season. I think he'll play Indian Wells and if he gets beyond if he gets to the semis or further in Indian Wells he'll he'll have an abdominal strain for Miami <laughs> and uh, and ramp up for clay. And yeah. I think he plays Acapulco because he always because those ball girls man. <laughs> and, I'm good and, to see he's got his priority straight. I like and, it. I like it. And and that uh, appearance speed has got to be pretty sad. <laughs> and um, I think that's may, he's played Rio in the past, but I, I doubt he'll play Rio. No, I think he would only play it when he would lose early in Australia, but he made it far enough, right? Yeah. So, so like I think me. I think the uh, the going back to the French Open, I think the favorite is the one of Nadal, Djokovic. And team, or so basically, then the one of Nadal and Djokovic who doesn't play team in the semifinals. Yeah, uh, maybe. makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. I think it'll be, I think it's, my question is do you think there are more, um, more contenders as a result of what you saw towards the end of last year, including London? And Australia, or um, other than sort of inviting, you know, team into the, you know, into the into the big boys poker game, it's still those three or four. Do you think the good showing that maybe some of the people that we short sold in Australia widens um, the contender list for the next couple months? You know, the couple big hard courts and then the clay court, or is it really still 
you know, in the hands of the big three, the big four. I think Medvedev is definitely a contender. Um, he just didn't play his best turn- tennis this tournament. And I actually, think, I think uh, I think the the field the contender field has expanded for hard court Grand Slams, but not for Wimbledon or or the French. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. I think Zverev. Uh, I think Zverev could pull one out. Zverev. I think if Zverev had played Djokovic in the finals with how Djokovic was playing, Zverev might have won because like team just was like mentally fragile and um, important moments. And Zverev is like uh, actually pretty good at um, believing in himself in in the moments like that. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, Zverev, uh, he does he, he 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 can beat the big three when they're not on their game, and he doesn't like get tight. Yeah, like Zverev played a very good semi. He uh, he uh, he was eighty over eighty percent first serve percentage and like winning over 80% of his first serve points. So team just, uh, he just pulled a rabbit out of a hat in that one. Yeah. 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 Zverev had uh, like four or five more breakpoint opportunities than team. Um, team did have more total points though. I think he had like three or four more total points. Yeah. No, that was, that was just like a very tight match. I was watching, um, the thing also, Sverev is good on four surfaces. Um, he's good clay court player, good grass, and actually, so is team. Um, so not yeah, sure I think, if he's good on grass, but he's good on the others for sure. Um, he's won. Uh, I forget which big grass court tournament. You know, what? I think I'm only Stug- saying that because he hasn't done well at Wimbledon. Maybe that maybe the skill set is there. It just hasn't, you know. And maybe he's still tired from the clay season. I think he just hasn't performed well at Wimbledon yet. But maybe not from lack of ability to do so. It just hasn't been his month. Yeah. Um, the, I think Nadal, the French, is one. It, he he's won like four in a row again, right? And it's just uh, he's it's a, just a different animal. I I. Yeah. I think um, Djokovic is dangerous there, um, but I think like I think Djokovic is the only one who has a real shot at beating Nadal in the French, and Djokovic is relatively less good on clay, and it's just less of a sure thing than any of the other tournaments that Djokovic will get to the final. Yeah, so if Nadal and Djokovic play each other, it will be a final. And because I think Djokovic just has such a strong mental edge over Rafa, he would probably be the favorite in that match. But Djokovic... Um, Nadal beat Djokovic pretty soundly on clay last year. Yeah. The money, the, the money would be on Rafa, even though Djokovic would be the favorite. I think that would be the distinction I would make. I mean, if you're going to bet, you bet on Rafa, but... You know, maybe the odds makers or whatever, you know, call it even, Steven. I don't know. But I think, like, um, they're going to play, there are just more battles and longer matches. And uh, Djokovic, uh, as as good as he's been, um, I think he's vulnerable. I think uh, I... I uh, I'm not confident in him making the finals um, if he has to play someone like Team or like an informed Medvedev or an informed Sitsipas. Um, like, if there are 
three rounds in a row where he has to go more than like more than two and a half hours. Uh, I yeah, yeah, I wouldn't. I because I I just don't think he's as fit as he used to be. Um, be I I don't know what's uh what why that is um. But it, it just it just seems like he he gets he gets tired faster. We got a lot of tennis before the French. What are you guys looking forward to over the next month? Who do you think um, who do you think sort of needs to get their their game? I don't know if the game is the right word. Who do, who needs to get their winning ways back on track? Is there anybody who really um, you know needs uh, needs good results in order to sort of be um, you know, in the discussion for the rest of the year? Or do you think, yeah, I guess I'll leave it at that. Who, who do you think really needs to step up the winning in the next two months in order to be a contender the rest of the year? Um, I think Francis Tiafo is now 79 in the world. He'd, he'd rather be higher than that. Uh... That's, a, that's a good one. Are you... Do, uh, I think Jack Where do you Sock include that? Yeah, Jack Sock. <laughs> How about the other two Canadians, uh, Shapovalov and Felix? Um, do you think that they're this is a critical time for them, or they're too young to be in sort of a critical time? They both lost in the second round of Montpellier, Montpellier, uh, and yeah, Felix won it last year, right? He's going to lose a bunch of points unless he doesn't get his. Because he's got to defend that whole clay circuit in South America, right? He yeah, like, yeah. Rio, he has to defend his, his semifinal in um, Miami. In Miami. And Indian Wells, I think. <laughs> or both, I think, actually. Yeah, he's going to. Right? Yeah, I think Isner has to do well. Because didn't he win Miami last year? And he has. No, Fed, he lost to Fed in the finals, but he made the finals. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I think Kyrgios uh, has, like, I mean, he won Acapulco, and that's coming up, and that's 500 points that if he doesn't do anything, he'll be back down to, like, 40 in the world. Um, Yeah, and then, like, Chilich is still, like, pretty low. He's 37 in the world right now. He'd he'd like to be higher than that. yeah, so Peter, do you have anyone that you think is sort of at a critical moment in their career? Critical moment of their career? Um, hard to say. I mean, careers are long. Like, you say born at George, but he's 23. Like, Say he has another down year. Would you really be surprised if he's like up again when he's twenty six? Um, maybe Luca Pui. Like, where the fuck is Luca Pui? I think he was injured. Um, yeah, he's sixty in the world now, though. Yeah, he's got a high variance. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you guys have anything else you'd like to uh, say about the Australian Open or about the tournaments coming up? Um, 
Let's see. I mean, nah, I think uh, tournaments coming up. We have a really scattered sort of post Grand Slam. There's a tur- there was a tournament in India. There was a tur- There were tournaments in Europe. There's a Rotterdam tournament coming up. Um, I think this is a part of the year where um, maybe maybe people lower ranked accumulate points, and um, it's a lot more critical for the people outside the top ten than inside the top ten. But like more than anything, you just don't want it. You want to avoid getting injured. Yeah, yeah. I sort of wonder why. Like, Federer and Nadal play so many um, exhibitions. Like, this week they're playing in South Africa with Trevor Noah and Bill Gates. Um, And I just wonder, does that stuff, like, catch up to them? Like, It has to. Yeah. They're traveling. They're they're not practicing. They're not, like, they're not, like, really crafting their days to, like, optimize their focus yeah but like I mean, what is this what is the strategy behind that like that's sort of uh that's sort of irritating to me because it's just like do this when the when your career is over you know like uh but they, their price isn't as high when their career is over yeah i don't know also it's just like bill gates is there you know, that, yeah. that Federer-Bill Gates combo is like a very powerful duo. Yeah, we can blame Mirka. <laughs> yeah, anyway. All right, well, listeners, um, I'm not going to let you go without another round of... Uh, of music, but first, um, if you've gotten this far, it means you you like us enough to uh, follow us on Twitter at Doubles Alley Pod and uh, give us a five star review on iTunes and subscribe there as well. If uh, this is not where you're hearing the podcast, um, and yeah, thanks a lot for uh, listening. So, without further ado, um, La Bamba.